All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I hope you're having an amazing day, an amazing week. I hope you're getting after it. Hope you're having a great 2020, and today we're in store for a phenomenal episode on this idea of internal competitions. Now, MDV and I, boy, we dive deep today. If you're a gym owner or a coach, this is super practical. MDV shines a ton of light on lessons learned and the way that he um, goes out there and executes on these um, internal competitions. Now, this is also a big week for NC Fit and NC Fit Collective. And the reason for that is that we launched in the SugarWad marketplace. So if you utilize SugarWad and you're a coach out there and owner, we would love for you to check out the NC Fit Collective. If you haven't checked out before, we also are collaborating with Wattify as well as our own app, putting out session plans, programming that we use across all of our locations, now available to you on the new platform of SugarWad. Speaking of which, if you're going to Wattapalooza, and internal competition only on a huge scale. We are going to be out there and I'd love to set up 15 minute meet and greets to talk about business, talk about sales, talk about programming, talk about whatever you want, but more importantly than anything, just get a chance to engage, shake a hand and uh, say what's up. So if you're interested in setting up a 15 minute meet and greet where you have a calendar invite, essentially go to the um, description click on that or go ahead and check out my personal Instagram, Jason Kalipa, and I'll be putting up some links on stories and as a post in the upcoming weeks leading to Wadapalooza, we would love to set up this meet and greet, get a chance to check in. Now, if you're a coach, you're an owner, and you want to throw on an internal competition, you have to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did and have a phenomenal, phenomenal day, and I hope to see you at Wadapalooza. All right, so Mr. MDV, um, we're sitting here and we're talking about these in-house comps. So, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago, we have an internal Facebook group for gym owners and coaches that utilize our programs called the NC Fit Collective. Mm-hmm. And on there, um, we have quite a few gym owners and coaches, and I, I positioned them. I said, hey, what type of topics are you interested in hearing about? And MDV and I are whomever we have in the office will, you know, spitball on it. Mm-hmm. And one of the topics is this idea of in-house comps, you know, how do you execute on it? Why do you have it? Do we even have it? Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to dive into this idea of in-house comps. And if, if you're not a gym owner or a coach, perhaps the way that you could take this conversation is in the processing and the planning and the why behind we do, why we do it. And then maybe correlate that to how that relates to your business, I guess is what I would, I would say. Sure. But this is gonna be very specific for gym owners and coaches, but I think you can relate some of the theories to other businesses. Yeah, for sure. So, um, when Jason, you're talking about in-house comps, you're talking about in-house competitions, right? So in-house competitions within a gym, uh, we're talking about a gathering place for members where you're going to put them through a series of events. And at the end you may or may not crown, you know, a victor, right? So if you're not in the gym business, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a specific community driven event. That's more competition based or, um, uh, when people gather together and team on up to, uh, to throw down. Yeah. And we should, we should note that over the years, CrossFit in particular, I would say got its launch point by adding a clock and making it a little bit more of the sport of fitness Mm -hmm. and making it more competitive. I, I would say, yeah. Um, in twofold, right? One is it grew as a sport. One is it grew at a methodology. But let's just talk about it in terms of how 
sport, local competitions have been part of the culture and the part of the fabric of this for, you know, years. Yeah. I, mean, I remember my doing my first, um, you know, local competition probably 13 years ago. It was before you know, the 2008 games? It was before the 2008 games. I mean, and, and then after the 2008 games, we did some more and we always had like local little things where like a yeah. couple of gyms got together and it became really... It became such a beautiful thing, but at the same time came with a little bit of a curse. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today is this idea that in-house competitions can be done so well and they can be a great community driver. They can also be a great driver for potentially bringing family members that may one day become new members yeah. of your gym. They yeah. could be that. They could also take up a lot of time, mm-hmm. have a lot of risk, ability, risk and liability mm-hmm. associated with them. And really kind of create this like a uh, hierarchy structure in your gym instead of bringing the community closer together they almost separated out and yeah. so what are we doing nowadays because we've done so many things but let's talk about what we're doing today and then i could maybe back up with what we've done in the past okay yeah um I, yeah i agree with you on the sentiment that like a lot of what we experience within this community in the past was built around, you know, getting people together and throwing down. And it's part of the history of this, uh, fitness pursuit, right? CrossFit functional training definitely has a competition driven atmosphere to it. in a lot of ways, you know, the clock, like you were saying, and also the, the competition, I think everybody's experienced, uh, who's been around this for a while, you know, seeing one of these things go down or hearing about one of them. And obviously like, when you were starting out your competition journey, the 2008 games was like the biggest in-house quote unquote local competition, right? Like they were pulling people from across the country to come out and throw down in a dirt yard and right. it's evolved into the CrossFit game. So I think like the frame of the conversation is important to remember that like <clears throat> why people do these things, you know, is part of the history of, of what we've uh, experienced. And then you know, why they continue to do them is they can be really powerful community drivers and um, it can really be a great moment for your gym and your community. But they have a downside as well if you don't do them right. And, you know, you alluded to some of the things that we can talk about there. But what we currently do at NC Fit is each year we run what's called the NorCal Throwdown. And we've had other uh, in-house competitions in the past and we can talk about how we got to this point. We just run one and the NorCal Throwdown is a member only competition. So you have to be a member here at NC Fit and one of the gyms local to the Bay Area to participate. So it's not an open competition for people off of the street um, Mm -hmm. or other gyms, nothing against other gyms, but we wanted to make this a special event for our own community. It's also not a time to showcase coaches skills in workouts. Ah. This is not a coach participated competition. They're not um, available to participate as athletes in the NorCal throwdown. They are encouraged and um, also uh, rewarded uh, if they participate as volunteers and judges or part of the logistics crew that does some of the setup or the cleanup. They are definitely encouraged to be there and to be a part of the event, but they're a part of the event as a support mechanism for the members and not as athletes. And I think that that was 
that was something that when I joined the organization about two years ago, two and a half years ago, we made the decision to make that switch. It was immediately recognizable to me that this shouldn't be about displaying coaches' athletic prowess. This is about celebrating members' accomplishments, no matter if you are uh, more, um, quote unquote, like elite or fitter, or you're somebody who's just beginning your journey who wants to participate at uh, you know more of an intro level. So we also run the competition with two different um, categories of athletes. We run a um, competition for athletes who have been around for a while and who have a good command of all the movements and who are ready to participate in a competition that's yep. really meant to test their physical abilities and prowess. And what do we call that? Is it is it we do call it in this competition atmosphere. We do call it uh, RX. We do. We do call we'll it RX. Do you think we'll continue with that, or do you think we'll change that? Um, it's a good question. You know, we've gotten away from calling it RX within the walls of the gym on a daily basis, but I think for the competition atmosphere, uh, it makes sense right now. Um, you know, we we could consider changing it down the road to something else. Yeah, I think in the competition setting, I think it does make sense. Like this is a prescribed workout, and you're going to do it like that because you're competing against other people yeah so you want to make sure you're quantifying the appropriate workout against other workout in the in, in that division there's no adjusting the workout to right. make it different right and if you want to compete for a score in that division you have to pre, you have to complete it as prescribed so it right. makes a lot of sense versus in the walls of the gym on a daily basis when we're throwing down workouts i don't care whether or not you complete it as it's written i care that you do it for you that day for what you need and what you and the coach decide you need. So now what's the second one? Is it, is it adjusted? Adjusted. Yeah. So it's a scale division, adjusted division. Now we also do it on the corporate house. Is it similar on the corporate side of the house? So just to clarify, we do an a uh, prescribed division and an adjusted division, which is adjusted is uh, a lot of people would call that scaled. We call it adjusted. Right. And, it, and that's significantly adjusted and do does everyone pretty much have to keep the same scope there as well? So the way that it's adjusted, it's adjusted not only for uh, movement complexity, right? Um, so if we're doing muscle-ups in the prescribed version, uh, we might be doing pull-ups in the um, adjusted version. So there's a, a movement adjustment, there's a loading adjustment, and there's a volume adjustment. Um, and it's programmed to the avatar that we've decided is the person who comes into the gym three or four times a week, who has command of the movements generally, but still needs to work on advanced skills, who still needs to work on advanced loading. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like the middle of the road type of programming. Uh, it's definitely a step down from what we've programmed the prescribed as. And I should <clears throat> also kind of make this caveat here that when we're programming the prescribed workouts. These are not games caliber workouts. These are workouts that we think are really good tests of fitness that could show up on a daily basis within the four walls of our gym. They are not workouts that are typically so advanced that nobody can complete them. That's made for the 1%. Yeah. We're making these essentially for the fittest athletes within our community. Um, but also being able to be realistically com completed by people who are training regularly add a volume and a load that are appropriate to enter into this competition. Now at our gyms, do we ever do individual competitions? Uh, no, we don't. Okay. Um, so all team based. This is a team based competition. Male, female. What? So the way that we structure it is teams of three and we've experimented with different combinations of athletes. 
you can actually sign up in any combination of athlete that you want. But to be entered into the competition and to score your workouts towards, quote unquote, winning the competition, we have a two male and one female team requirement. The reason being is that we found that through running these competitions, it's it's hard sometimes to find multiple female athletes to put onto a team. And uh, you can enter a team with multiple female athletes if you'd like. And you can even enter that team if you like to be considered uh, in the RX or in the adjusted division. You just can't enter that team to win. The reason being is uh, we don't want somebody to enter a male team with three males. Right. Um, you know, so we, we pick the gender uh, uh, assignment for the um, teams, and that's what we are testing. We're testing two, two male, male, one female. And, and just to like put a you know asterisk on, like the reason why this came to be is we've been doing this well over a decade, and in general, more men want to do these competitions, and so there's a higher ratio. But we want to also you know rely on. Net, you know, community, and that's why the teams of three are so critical for us. And I think it's very important to have multiple sexes. You know, it, mm-hmm. it creates a different dynamic. And and I think by doing teams of three with the way that we've structured it, and having the RX and the you know adjusted adjusted, and the RX being like appropriate, not like you know crazy crazy stuff. I think it brings out people who are looking to compete with the the idea of like having a good experience, but pushing hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not like, I think that's just been the culture we've created. Yeah. Uh, To wrap up the um, team composition uh, discussion, we've tried other combinations in the past and Mm -hmm. you're left with a lot of emails, or at least we were saying, Hey, I can't find partners to complete this team. We haven't had any of those issues since we went with this format. We're not locked into this format forever. We might change it next year. It's just something that's worked for us, the two male, one female thing in both divisions. And if you wanted to, like I said, you can hop into either division with any mix of athletes that you want. You're just not going to do those workouts to be scored against the other people who are doing it, two males and one female. The same deal in the adjusted division. If you don't need to or want to do a movement you don't have to do that movement in the adjusted division that division is for a score but we allow more leeway there for teams to make adjustments to those workouts as they see fit if they just wanted to go out there for fun they know that those workouts aren't going to count to their final score Um, but we do want to leave the door open for athletes in that division who are competitive um, and who want to compete against other similarly skilled athletes. So you can you can approach this a number of different ways, and I think the combination or the uh, the way that we're approaching it now works well for us. And we have thirty teams. Um, we cap it at thirty. Yeah, we capped it at thirty this year. Um, I believe we actually reduced it to twenty seven this year because we. Um, we ran it at our Mountain View location. And our Mountain View location is a huge location, big location. It's brand new. It's amazing. But we used to run these in our Santa Clara location, which was like an airplane hangar. So you could have 10 teams on the floor at once with 30 athletes, and uh, it was no problem. So with the, with the 27 teams, I think it brings me to that next thing. When we're talking about in-house competitions, so we're going to dive into this in a number of different ways. So we talk about, okay, 
two men, one female, and the why behind it. Okay, cool. Uh, two different divisions. Got it. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the big things for an in-house competition is not to have it belabor on. And, oh, you know, it's man. really interesting. I was looking up some recent statistics on the average duration for some events. And there was a tennis match that went for like four hours the other day. And it was really unique. But in general, most of these events last, you know, I don't know, two hours. But when you look at like a traditional CrossFit competition, it's a multiple day event. And that's a long time. Yeah. And I think that when you have an in-house competition, we've tried two days. This is a long time ago. We've done one day, but just sometimes they just go on forever. Yep. Starts at 7 a.m. You want to have five or six events, whatever. And I think what you end up doing is you want to have this grandiose test, but you end up exhausting people, potentially putting them at a higher risk of maybe like a rhabdo type thing because they're just really pushing themselves a new mm-hmm. level. But I also think just for the spectators, for the people, it's just a long day. Yeah. It, it, these <laughs> things, yeah, man. You know what I mean? One of the critical mistakes that I think people make when running uh, in-house competitions, and I'm not talking about like a uh, sanctional or whatever they're called these days type of event. I'm talking about you're a gym owner who wants to run an in-house competition for your members. This thing should end before the end of time. Like you shouldn't run this thing until midnight. You should have a realistic time frame for which you want to run this and stick to your timeline. So and how do we stick to our timeline in a better way? We have hard caps, AMRAPs, whatever. What, what do we yeah, do and what does that look like? It's meticulously planned. That's what it comes down to. It's the same way that you stick to your timeline in a class. It's we look at the amount of time that we want, uh, that we think is appropriate for people to be at this event. And for us, that's like 7.30 in the morning, including check-in to about 1 or 1.30 in the afternoon. So this is a half a day commitment. We're asking... Our judges, our athletes, our volunteers to commit half a day and other uh, individuals, you know, for setup and cleanup beyond those hours. But really, we get it done within that time frame. So, which one, I think is appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I mean and now we, you can get what, three or four events in at that time? So, um, yeah. Let, let's just talk about the whole day because it's easier than talking about individual workouts at a time. So we start off with a registration period and your registration period should be appropriate for the amount of teams, the amount of people that you are going to have in your competition, right? So you have to adequately staff registration so that you're not just overburdened with 30 teams that show up and just one person to register. And there's a lot of stuff that you can do prior to that to make sure you have the information that you need so that the registration process is smooth. You can confirm your athletes, you can have them pay, you can have them sign the waivers, they can already be informed about what they need to bring to the event all that kind of stuff and what do we charge for a team of three and why oh man jason these questions right now (laughs) you're diving in so deep i am no i know i know i know it's good stuff but um so we charge thirty dollars per team uh ten dollars per athlete and it's a donation based deal so uh we end up actually donating the money afterwards to uh i believe a charity of choice and uh, the reason that we do that is we want the athletes to have a little bit of skin in the game um, and we want them to show up and, and hold that spot so that since we're only doing 30 teams, if you have interest from 35 teams and a couple of them don't show up, you know, you really leave a few of those teams that might have really wanted to compete hanging. So we have a registration period. We open it up prior to the event, well in advance of the event. We are talking about 
we may not release every single event prior. We actually release most of them, but we hold the final event. We'll talk about the number of events that we do and why I think that's appropriate. Uh, so the members have an idea when they're signing up. Um, we give a description about what movements or what uh, loading they can expect in the uh, prescribed division versus the adjusted division so they can read up on that before they're signing up two months before yeah uh around then yeah probably two to three months before um and then you know as the sign up uh, progresses we inform the members that workouts have been released we release workouts on a weekly cadence leading up to the event so that it uh, builds up some excitement. You get the people talking about it a little bit more. If you have to drum up more support from uh, signups, releasing workouts is a good way to do it because they can see them. They can visualize them doing the workouts. It's not so scary for them. Um, you know, we also put out a lot of prep materials about how to, how to handle the competition, about what the day is going to be like, uh, you know, a full run through for the athletes about what time they have to be there, what they should bring. Uh, there's a lot that goes into this pre-planning. Um, and, you know, I was just watching, this is so random, I was just watching this video on painting a room, and this video on painting a room was talking about the biggest mistake that you can make for painting a room is taking the prep for granted. It's the same thing with running an in-house competition. You can have all the best workouts in the world and think about the day of the competition as much as you want, but if you're not thinking about all the steps that go into it, like the day of competition is being an absolute mess. So like the pre-planning of this stuff is so important. Yeah. I mean, it should already be done basically. Yeah. I mean, I look at this, I, the way that I do it, I essentially visualize the entire thing. So I visualize how this day is going to flow and how everything is going to flow before the day of the competition, uh, all the way from check-in to my athlete briefing, to the start of the first event, to how we're going to flow through the events. And it's very, very meticulously planned. The workouts are obviously tested, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I think we were talking about registration on the day of, right? Yeah, I want you to take me through the whole thing. I'm super intrigued on this because I think if you're a gym owner, this is a super, super comprehensive deep dive into a business that's mature. We've been doing this for a long time. And this is the way we're seeing it. Um, and and we're not saying it's perfect, but I think what is perfect is that you have to plan for it. Yeah. So take me through now. Look, we, we recognize the plan is critical. We've talked about the fact that we donate the proceeds. And I think I just want to kind of put a, like a little note on that. One of the reasons why I like donating proceeds. So sometimes when people, um, I like it because they see where your heart is at and they mm. understand the why behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. We need to save your spot. We want you to have some skin in the game. We're not trying to make money off this, mm-hmm. right? So we're donating it. And if you don't want to donate it, but you collect 30 bucks, that's such a nominal amount that most people know, oh, you're just using this so you could provide coconut waters at the end of the day. If that's something that's important to you, right? Yeah. Um, but but take me through it, you know, because t-shirts are important. Um, how does the flow of the events go? What, sure. what have you learned? What are some pitfalls? Sure. Um, uh, let's do it. I th- that last thing on whether or not you donate the proceeds, I, I kind of fall on either side of the fence here. If right. you donate them, that's great. I do think that you should tell, if you're going to charge money for your competition, you should inform your members about where it's going. You know, it, you should inform them that, Hey, like the, uh, this money has gone into this event and we've provided food for you guys and like you said, coconut waters or the money that we are uh, netting from this event is going back into the gym, provide new equipment, new barbell, something tangible. Just like what you don't want to do in my opinion at the end of the day is like run this great competition and you have everybody pay 30 bucks or whatever it is. And like then the members are left there thinking, well, did I just put, 
you know, a couple thousand bucks into this guy's pocket uh, to compete. I think that you can, like you said, you're showing the members where your heart is at by having transparency about where this is going. Yeah. I mean, look, I see it a little bit. I get where you see it. I know. I mean, I think about it like, hey, you're running a business. You don't have to tell anybody where your money goes. But at the same time, I do think it's important that, that if your business, and I used to always feel this way about drop-in fees, which that's kind of changed a little bit over the years because of people taking advantage. But I used to always say that if we had to build a business around collecting money from drop-in fees, we have a bigger issue, right? Because that's, and if you have to worry about this money to like really pay towards something, I think maybe you're, you're missing the boat. These, these competitions should be a value add for your community. For us, they're not a revenue driver. And so if for if you're listening and you're a gym owner and you're looking to generate an extra 5, 10 Gs a year, whatever from the competition, okay, if that, if that is an amount that's really going to like change your business, mm. then you have to do what you got to do. But there might be a bigger issue at play if you have to do that. Right yeah. now, if you have a business that's that's built on, hey, every year we host this annual event and it's it's been the driving force of whatever for us. I would just ask how sustainable is that long term? I, I yeah. don't know. You know? I the drop in thing, you know, there are businesses because of their location that you yeah, know our Cab- like the Cabo Lo- Las Vegas, Cabo, yeah. wherever, man. Like it's such a large portion of their revenue. The reason that I my opinion on this is you should donate or you should tell the members is because if you are catering this competition to people who are already within your business, to me, I would say you can get more out of, you yeah. know, telling them where the money's going to go and them being your best advertisers. Hey, this guy ran a competition and all of the money that we generated from this went back into the gym. How awesome is that? And, you know, for me, I think that's going to come back to you tenfold down the road versus things like the drop-in deal. And I can understand that a lot more. Anyway, I think we're digressing a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, we got into uh, registration. We do do t-shirts for everybody. We are blessed to have an amazing designer on the team um, who designs a NorCal Throwdown t-shirt for every year. Um, and we should note that we have a great partnership with Reebok. Yes. And so our relationship provides us some some benefits that other gym owners don't have. And we should be clear about that because sure. maybe if you charge 30 or 40 bucks, you can get a t-shirt as part of that. that yep. And that definitely is a way that, uh, you can also explain that the t-shirt and the design and sourcing goes into some of that fee. Right. Um, if you don't have a designer on your team, you know, you can do things like 99 design or, uh, you know, work with somebody locally or put it out there to somebody in your gym or have a design contest, yeah, all those kinds of things. People love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good stuff, man. So they have, we have the registration, they get their t-shirt, they get their, uh, athlete packet on the day of the athlete packet has the schedule of the day. It has the heat schedule. And in you know, the last couple of competitions that we've run, we've done them through Wattify arena, which has been really, really, really amazing for us. Wattify arena for me is an amazing platform because it allows us to keep track of exactly who is going to be in the competition, what the team names are. It puts people automatically into heat. You get to upload the workouts. It, it figures out all the scoring. Bro, you are and pitching stuff that hard right now. Dude, it, this like, is not a paid sponsorship. Dude, I'm not paid by any I'm not paid by anybody but <laughs> NC Fit. NC Fit's the only name of my checks. <laughs> I don't get, uh, no, I I'm like just it. saying it's a good product. It's a good product. So no, the fact that you like it, we should be talking about it for sure. And you don't have to be a Wattify member to use Wattify arena, which I think oh, really? is really cool. Okay. I'm 99.9% sure of that, <laughs> but, um, they do, they do have an amazing competition product. So it, that takes care of a lot of the stuff up front and you can use that for check-in and all that stuff. You, 
what we do when people check in, like I said, we give them a packet and the packet includes the heat schedule. It also includes their scorecards. And the reason we do this is that we make it very clear that the athletes are responsible for managing the safekeeping of their scorecards mm. so that when they show up for a workout, they have to bring their scorecard with them and they have to hand it to the judge. And at that point, once it's handed to the judge, we now own the scorecard for that workout. So they don't have to do anything once it's handed to the judge, but they have to bring it with them. If they lose their scorecards, it might be tough noogies if it's like two minutes before the heat's supposed to start. I'm sorry, you got to so go. So what happens? Now the judge gets the scorecard and then what yep. do they do with it? All right, so we, we got to remember to back back up to the athlete briefing. But once once you're into the workout portion, uh, the judge gets the scorecard. The judge uses the scorecard to score the workout, take any notes that they need. And then at the end of each heat, we have a score runner who collects the scorecards from the judges and then brings them to the scoring table and hands them over to the scoring uh, group. Or yeah, the <laughs> director of scoring. Using Arena. <laughs> using Wadafi Arena. And they input the scores and it has a live leaderboard, which is really cool. We hold on to all the scorecards to the end of the workout, through the end of the competition, just to make sure everything's And then once copacetic. that athlete comes back in for the heat, like they're getting prepped to go out for their workout, they get the scorecard back. No. So they have a scorecard for oh. every workout. Oh, a new scorecard for every workout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All my mind. Yeah, and how yeah. many workouts are we talking all right, so uh, By this, the way, this for is good. Those, those of you listening, you're like, dude, Jason, you don't know a damn thing about your competitions. You're right, I don't. And that's why I'm sitting here with MDV and we're talking about it because I think it's really important that I'm not in the weeds on this stuff. I show up and I'll be honest with you. Like, I just show up, I shake hands, I thank people for being there, I thank MDV for doing a great job and the rest of the team. And that's my role, right? I'm just appreciative and I let them do their thing. That's why I don't know any of these questions. You know, and I, I think you do more than that, but. You know, obviously you're involved when we were creating the programming, we we're testing some of the workouts, all that kind of stuff. We, we kind of forget that stuff. But, uh, you know, for, for me, I like things that have clear leaders and clear people who can delegate responsibility. Yeah. And, you know, this is one of those things where you can definitely have too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm. So right now I'm the person who runs the competition as the lead. And then I delegate things out. I have somebody who's in charge of equipment. I have somebody who's in charge of judging. I have someone who's in charge of scoring. I have someone who's in charge of setup, someone who's right. in charge of cleanup. And those individuals have people on their teams underneath them. And this is all predetermined. It's not like we're just pulling names out of a hat day of. Like This is all similarly planned to how the workouts and the competition is, is planned, right? And, you know, how we have the equipment on the floor before the competition starts, it's all really meticulously planned. No, that's it's really the layouts planned, all that kind of stuff. And so I want to dive just real quick. I mean, I think it's interesting. If you're an owner-operator, you're obviously going to be playing the role that MDV is playing right now. Um, I am not an owner-operator. Um, we have operators of each of our sites and et cetera. And so I think it, one thing that he touched base on, and I just want to reiterate, is this idea of having a clear leader and not too many cooks in the kitchen. So like to put that in perspective, I'll show up for these events and I need to know my role. Like if I have an issue, I'll go and talk to MDV about it, which is pretty rare, but I'll pull him aside and be like, Hey bro, what's up with this? And he might have a perfectly great reason for it, but I think it's really important that as an owner, operate, whatever, if you delegate things out, you need to let them roll with it because if you're just over there the whole time, second guessing, whatever, then they're not going to be comfortable and just, it just ruins the whole flow and you don't know the whole situation. Yeah. Like, you don't know the backstory like, hey, MDV, like, 
So I go over and say something to, to one of the guys. It messes up the whole leadership structure. So I need to go to MDV and be like, hey, man, what is he doing over there? Like, And he might have a perfectly good reason. So it's just a total yeah. sidetrack. I just wanted to bring that up. This is a really, um, you know, when we were discussing this podcast. podcast on its own about this. Yeah, I mean, this is a really detailed subject, these in-house competitions. There's, and there's a lot of layers to them. You know, I think, um, you know, one thing I want to talk about before we get back to the athlete meeting is all of this stuff we are mapping out where every single piece of equipment goes for every single workout. We've tested every single workout we've put, and we'll talk about the workouts a little bit more, but we've put really realistic, but stringent time caps on each workout. We have time between each workout to reset the floor. Every single minute from 7.30 a.m. when this registration opens till 1 p.m. is accounted for every right. single minute. Right. Right. And uh, that, that goes into making sure that you are not abusing the privilege that these members are giving to you of their time. Right. And staying on your timeline is really, really important. It just takes planning and discipline. So uh, I think that's a big takeaway. Also, um, you should check with your insurance about... Uh, whether or not you need to have uh, first aid personnel on site. Mm, um, and very good. You should topic. yeah check uh, your med kits and ice packs and your AED, and everything should all be up to snuff. Before. We always have a paramedic, right? So yes, uh, in the past, we have always had a paramedic. So this competition that we recently ran was the first time that we didn't have a uh, San Francisco or San Jose fire or uh, emergency response paramedic at the competition. So we check with our insurance company and we, uh, it was fine to run the competition without having medical personnel on site because of how close we were to major hospitals, fire stations, and emergency response. Huh. So uh, obviously everybody on site from a coaching standpoint is first aid certified, AED certified, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we checked the distances for local fire departments and the uh, closest hospital and we were good to go. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would just probably, I wasn't aware of that. Um, I imagine if the future, if you, especially if you have a guy who's, you know, in your gym, part of your community and you can maybe pay him or do whatever. It's not not bad. No, like you have to really think. So the part that's tough about this is the, the liability that that individual now assumes is huge. Right. And I actually spoke to a bunch of people, unless you are contracting with a company, right? You have to go through a company. You you, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't put somebody on the spot. Who's a first aid certified or emergency response personnel. You, we have done that in the past and it's probably not the best way to do it. You mm. should contract a, an actual company um, because the amount of risk and liability that, that person incurs is enormous. That's a, that's a great point. Yeah. And, and just, you know, so we have an emergency action plan. Of course, we have an emergency action plan within every single gym uh, and it doesn't change for how we would run the competition. Yeah. And I mean, look, if, you, if you're in the state of California in particular or any state, you don't have an AED, you got to go get an AED. I mean, those things can save somebody's life and they're, they're, they're worth the investment. Yeah, so. for sure. And the other thing that we want to uh, plan is just the overall safety of every event. And, you know, I, we don't have to recount the stories that have happened in this community because of injuries due to, uh, you know, um, you know, lifts being missed or anything like that. It can go really bad really fast. Right. So if you have to have an adequate amount of space to do these things and you can't have weights piled on weights underneath somebody who's lifting and it cannot just be a jumbled mess of people on the floor. If you have 
that type of situation uh, that that is irresponsible you have to plan it prior and you probably have to just lower the amount of teams or people or equipment or something but i think you know something that i do kind of put my you know hand in a little bit is when mdv sends the workouts over and we're testing whatever i'm the one who's like hey bro like do we really need to do this because i look at it like how extreme can these people get in this situation like for example instead of doing um i don't know uh a heavy one rm push jerk could you instead do a you know or a back squat let's yeah. do a front squat and squat instead so it's easier to dump yeah. right when you're looking at these events you're kind of thinking eh what's a good test but also like what's going to keep our members in a in a better position yeah right? for sure and you know each competition that i've been a part of here at nc fit we have done a lifting event but the way that we structure the lifting event is that we make it a barbell complex that is uh uh, progressive in the movement. So it, it kind of, it moves up as you go. So it will be, uh, a, like a power clean into a couple of front squats into, uh, overhead. And what that actually does is that it limits the amount of weight that someone is able to move, yeah. but it's still a great test of strength right. and, a, and ability, right. but you're not putting somebody in a fucking one rep max clean and jerk situation on a floor with 25 other athletes. It's crazy right. to me. So, right. You know, if you don't have, and the they're space, still going to get that whole high, they're still going to get a great experience. You still see, yeah, exactly. It's still a, a heavy enough load where, you, and the spacing is all mapped out and all that kind of stuff. But you just don't have that insane, like that risk of the one RM type of stuff. Yeah, and for us, like that's where we're at. And there could be some people listening right now. It's like, do these dudes? They don't get it. That's fine. Yeah. But where we're at as a business is, we'd rather test it that way because we still think, for what it's designed to do, we're not sending people to the CrossFit Games. We're trying to have a great experience for our members, yep. have fun. And I should note that for a lot of our members, and especially on the corporate side of the house, I've seen this firsthand, they don't ever, some of these guys have never competed in anything in their life, mm. right? A lot of the software engineers, for example, that we, we have at our gyms, they got into software at an early age and they pursued that and they've been excellent in what they're doing, but they didn't necessarily pursue um, other paths, right? Like some other people might. And this is them talking to me. I'm not just whatever. But for them, they've never competed in something physical. Maybe, you know, maybe in school they've competed, whatever. But all of a sudden they get out there and they're nervous and they need to learn how to overcome it. And then you could be there as the guy to help support them. And boy, it's just magical. It's when pretty these beautiful people, stuff. And they yeah. don't need, you know, they don't need to be doing crazy stuff. They could be doing single arm DB hang snatches and a, and a burpee. Yeah. And they're stoked, right? Yeah, we'll talk a, l a little bit more about the workouts. Like I said, we'll go into some detail about some of them. But I agree with you, man. Like, um, you have to consider all those factors. And something that I think is really important that we do a good job of it, but I think we can do a better job of it. So next time around, this is part of my own feedback on the event that we ran. We do communicate expectations for what people can expect to do on the day of. And they see the workouts and all that kind of stuff. But what we are going to take the next step in doing is giving them a little bit more insider information about how to handle a competition leading uh, up to it. You know, what like get Adam involved or something like that, like, like some mindset. Stuff. No, not even, not even that. that. That's cool stuff. I think for the winners maybe, but like, uh, you know, how do you fuel properly mm. for a competition yes. or have you been training enough regularly to be doing this and if you haven't what are your expectations for yourself should you take a step back and just do it in the adjusted vision and have fun um you know should you hydrate you know leading up to the competition should you go out on a bender all night the night before and then show up the next day and try to go through 
yeah. X number of events. And I think the reason why you're hearing us kind of be a little bit more cautious is because, you know, we're talking about thousands of members that we see on a daily basis through our gyms. And then in the competition, obviously it's not thousands of people there. You got about a hundred, mm -hmm. right? But we're just trying to keep the experience optimal top notch, and man. top notch and a good experience when someone just like a class, they have a fun, they learn something and they get a good workout. We, a bad experience, a good experience, go to a bad experience real quick. If they haven't been hydrating their, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, so one of the things I liked what you said is if you look at your competition, similar to the way you look at our class. Now for us, we put out session plans and programming that are detailed, right? Five, zero to five here, 10 to the, and I assume you do the same thing from 7.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Yep. But, but how many workouts can we expect to accomplish? And what do you think is a good test? Skipping ahead, bro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bro, we've been going at it for four. I know, minutes. but there's so much stuff here, man. All right, before we get to workouts, let me just – so we have – after the registration, we have an athlete briefing. So the athlete briefing involves the judges as well. And all athletes and all judges need to be present at the briefing where we go through all of the standards for both the prescribed and for the adjusted version. And we answer questions at the end of each workout. So we brief each workout. Now, so it's not like a just ridiculous list of questions that you get from people. Almost all of the standards and all of the details for every yeah, workout right sheet. is put out prior to the athlete so they can think about it and they can ask questions prior if they have them. But we will go through the exercise of answering questions about different standards and stuff like that. And you really have to think about this stuff because for somebody who's there to compete, they're going to ask you every question in the book. Hey, can we squat clean the first rep? Hey, what do we do if X happens? What do we do if X happens? So you have to be, you have to be really prepared and you should try to get as much of that stuff done prior. Okay. So athlete briefing lasts for us between 30 and 45 minutes. We allot about 45 minutes for it. After that, we have about a 15 minute interval break where the first heat of athletes is told that they should go to the warm-up area, and the warm-up area has been prepared the night before by the staff. It's sectioned off. It's got yeah. equipment, uh, popular equipment that needs to be in there. And we typically rent additional restrooms. Uh, we did this time around. So um, for us this time around, we rented porta potties for the event. Um, that was a smart move on our part uh, because we had some sensitive plumbing at the Mountain View location, and. Um, you know, for some reason, I think that this is like, this is just my observation over the years and years of being at competitions. When people go to competitions, dude, they, they go to the bathroom like 400 times, 9,000 times. Yeah. And they, they seem to lose all respect for the toilet space oh, at competitions. Oh, like, yeah. It also is like what happens when you put every piece of Sonoma chicken salad and beef jerky and energy drinks into somebody <laughs> and then <laughs> go into the bathroom. It's a nightmare. And for us, it Dude, was just, it, I just got to, I was, <laughs> I was working the front desk at the health club one time and I was like, I think I was like 16 at the time and they had a, like a MMA competition that went on. And I remember, man, I was responsible to keep the bathrooms oh, kind of clean. And these people, dude, I mean, they just destroyed it. <laughs> and I just, I, I mean, I'm like a little 16 year old. Look at these MMA fighters. Just like, oh, all right, let me go. And I was just cleaning up. It's but it was disgusting. just such a, it was such an example where it was like on a daily basis, you know, you keep it clean, 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 clean. And then all of a sudden now you quadruple the amount of people, yeah. right? And you, they're nervous. They're nervous. They've eaten stuff that they shouldn't yeah. eat. So, anyways, rent portable restrooms. Yeah, is the, is this the, is actually um, this is a really good point. So, <laughs> I'm so glad we got. Bro, this I'm topic. thinking about every fucking porta potty I've ever walked into <laughs> at a CrossFit competition. It's gnarly. <laughs> anyway, so 
During your athlete briefing, you should always give a little bit of a speech about we are all members of this gym. Right. This is a community event. There's nobody here who's not going to show up at some point tomorrow or the next day to work out here, to work out next to these people, to work out with your judge or be in a class with your judge. So please respect the facility. Treat it like it's your gym, like it is, right? Why don't, if there's a mess in the bathroom, inform us. Don't just keep flushing the toilet. If you have an issue with a judging call, be respectful of the judge and just ask them a question or put up your hand for the head judge to come on over and talk to you. If somebody by mistake gets into your lane, be respectful of that person. Treat them with respect. Uh, you know, all too often, people can get too caught up in this competition vibe yeah. and things get said or done that they wouldn't normally do. And you got to remind the people yeah. that like, dude, life is so much bigger than what's going on right now. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point to kind of get ahead of it. I mean, speaking from experience, like I, um, I remember one time I was competing at the CrossFit Games and I, uh, I kind of like, I yelled at a judge, right? Like board, I yelled, right? For lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. I was heated. I was in the moment. It was me and another guy. We were competing for the win, whatever it was. And I remember he said something to me. I kind of like screamed. And I just remember I went back after the event. And I was like, hey, man, I'm, I really apologize. Yeah. Like I lost my cool. And because it's not going to do any good, right? Me yelling at him. It's not going to do any benefit. No. But I think by, um, I mean, and that was like an extreme case. But the point I'm trying to make yeah. is that for you, I think setting the expectation early is a great way to have a great, good day. You have to. You yeah, have to, a in good, my that's opinion. A good, that's a good piece of feedback. And like your situation is different too. So the CrossFit Games is a lot of money on the line. This is, there's, there's nothing, there's. There's stuff on the line here, but it's all just bragging rights. It's yeah, all but, I mean, people take pride in exactly. it. Exactly. You know, I get it. I, I get it. Anyway. But I think I think I, I agree with your point. So, that, so the athlete briefing, you kind of set expectations, mm -hmm. I think is incredible, right? By now, you've already done so much pre-planning, mm -hmm. all these workouts, all this mm -hmm. stuff. You have the t-shirts. We yeah. already talked about all that. So now, how many events are we thinking? Three, four? So uh, in the past, we've run three events for every team plus a final. Yep. So that means that every team will at least go through three full workouts, which range anywhere from about 12 minutes to the longest is 15. And then they have a, we have a final, which the top three teams in each division take, play, uh, take, take part in, right? So we run the adjusted division final first. And then we run the prescribed final after that. If you have a big enough floor, maybe you can run them all at the same time. But uh, for us, the final is a winner-take-all event. Uh, I, I just like that format. Once you get to the final, uh, all the previous scores are erased, and whoever wins the final wins the event. Uh, adds a lot of excitement to it. The final for us is always the shortest event. It's usually like eight minutes or less. And uh, it's planned in a way that you can visually see what's happening. Yeah, so it, yeah. can, it can be a little yeah, bit more of like exciting. a race, right? Yeah, yeah. The other events before that aren't necessarily a race type of structure because there's so much going on on the floor that it's it's not as uh, necessary to be able to see like, oh, who's in the lead? Or yeah. like, what event is this? So there's multiple heats. But in the final, I think that that's really important. I like the way you narrow it down because it's easier to manage, right? It's quicker to get through mm -hmm. the heats. Um, are you sold on having it reset? I think for now, you know, we've had really good reception on that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other part about this is like, what if you have a runaway team? It's just so fucking boring to have somebody go into the finals and be like, this person, this team is 
30,000 points ahead of everybody else. That's so a really good point. I didn't think about it that way. It kind of so levels the playing field. The, yeah, anybody could win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and and if sure. you're the best, you're probably going to win. And right? the way that we do it with only three teams and you have, um, you know, 15 teams or so in the division, all three of those teams have really done a good enough job, in my opinion, to be in the final and be in contention of winning. It's not like we're pulling somebody randomly from the, hmm. the bottom of the heap into the final. So, yeah, yeah. Um, That's good feedback. And so... You had those two. Um, that's really good feedback, actually. I like that a lot. And then as far as like um, winners, trophies, stuff like that, how how much is too much there? How much does it make uh, it where we're it's We're skipping like, ahead again. I yeah, want, a you little bit. You know, I'm trying to get to the I'm Trying to get to the, <laughs> trying to get to the, trying to get you know, to the, the end because zone. I, you know, I, uh, yeah, talk me through that. What okay. do you think? Let me just say a couple more things about yeah. the workouts. So before each workout, we call on all the judges. We have a mini judges meeting before each workout. If there's something that comes up, the head judge will call a judges meeting between heats if they need to. The equipment teams are all prepped about how the floor needs to be reset after every workout. And the way that we set up the floor for each workout progressively gets easier by the end of the day. So the, the workout with the most setup, typically the barbell workout for us or the lifting workout, because you have plates in every single lane. That's the first workout of the day for us. Mm. And then it transitions into a workout that uses some of the equipment that's on the floor, but then maybe you remove the rest. And then the next workout after that yeah. uses some equipment's on the floor and maybe you remove the rest. So it progresses as you go, right? That's, that's a really smart way of doing it as opposed to like putting your lifting workout second and you have a workout that just has dumbbells and kettlebells first and you got to move all that stuff onto the floor. Uh, anyway, so as we go through the day, uh, different stuff happens. You know, we've gotten to the point where we've gotten through workouts. Um, you make sure that you have adequate transitions for uh, judges to reset uh, between heats and stuff like that. So we typically are like five minutes between heats and like 15 to 20 minutes between workouts. So that gives people an opportunity to use the bathroom. You get plenty of time to warm up. And you're always in the same heat in the same lane with the same judge, ideally, throughout the entire day so it's not any curveballs thrown your way or anything like that. I think that's most of the stuff that I would have want to mention for uh, workouts. Dude, and let's talk about... It's know, an insane amount of planning. It really is crazy. It's a lot of planning. It is. It's a lot of planning. Um, well, I'll, I'll ask you two questions. Mm -hmm. First one is how do we do prizes? So um, we've experimented with different prizes in the past. I actually thought this year was um, the, the best prize package that we've done. That we, what we did the GORUCK? Yep, we did GORUCK bag and then two pairs of Reebok shoes. And we, we were able to work with our partner Reebok, and um, they were generous enough to donate the shoes for each winner. So we have a winning team for both divisions. We have a, a prescribed winner and we have an adjusted winner. Um, and those are the – in our competitions right now, those are the only people that – earn the prizes. Uh, we're not sold on that. We could change it in the future, but six people get the same prize pack. And this year they got a GORUCK backpack, which we paid for. Uh, you know, we, we went out and bought them, which was about uh, 80 bucks or something per backpack or whatever it was. No, there's... Yeah, m more than that maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were the Rucker. So what, whatever the price on the Rucker was, uh, you know, we, we put up the cash for those, which is a cool prize for people because it's not something that maybe they've ever received before as a prize. And then uh, it wasn't so crazy that it was like a $500 per person type of deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, Those Rucker bags are amazing. Yeah, they're really, really nice bags. So um, something that we didn't do very well this year was we didn't do a whole lot of like fanfare about the winners. Like we didn't do like a podium type picture of presentation. Like we did a picture. Yeah. But so this was intentional. Um 
the reason, because at the end of the day, you know, we're getting close to 1 o'clock or 1.30 whenever you want to end your competition. People are tired. Spectators are, are tired. We just watched these two really high-energy events go down. And I think a lot of times what local competitions make a mistake in doing, and even big competitions make a mistake in doing, you have this huge lag from the end of the last oh, yeah. workout to the podium. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Like, ju- I, I think you should get there faster. You should get everybody together recognize the winners, give them their prizes, take a picture, and then put a bow on this and be done. Well, especially, so just one of the reasons why I think there's a lag is because at times you're trying to identify who actually made that podium. But in your particular case- You know who won right away? You know who won right away. Yep. And so I think that that adds to that. Yep. Um, And you know, then you bring everybody together, right? You take a giant group picture, get everybody fired up. But you know, my second question on that- I gotta go back to something in a minute. Go back on that, (laughs) then I'm gonna go- so the final workout for us is the only workout that's not announced. And I think that that's really cool. Oh, so yeah, all, all, the, all the other workouts are announced, so they know them in advance. What type of complexity for the final workout? Usually lower complexity. Yeah. It's usually just like a barn burner type of deal. Oh, yeah. Slam yeah, the yeah. gas pedal. That's what you did last year, this year, this last year. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, it was power snatch or power clean uh, for the adjusted and burpee over the bar. Burpee right? over the bar. Yeah. And then uh, this year, it was um, a bike, uh, calorie bike box jump over and uh, a, a power clean movement, I believe, or power, uh, I'd have to check on it, but it was, it was something that was very fast, bike, box jump over, and then there was a, a, a weightlifting movement that was a high cycle time. Um, and it was, it was pretty tough workout. So all the, like I said, the final should be short, seven minutes or less, all three of the team athletes going through it. And that's usually how we do the team final as well. It's one athlete gets into the gauntlet, they finish the entire workout, then the next, next athlete goes. goes. And so it's, so yeah. there's some strategy there, right? You, do you want to put your fittest athlete first? You want to put your fittest athlete last, put them in the middle. Um, you can see races as like two people are waiting to get on the bike and like one person's finishing. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So we do a, we do a briefing of the final where we have a couple of our coaches demo some of the movements and we kind of reveal the workout. I think you've hit on a lot of really <laughs> valuable This podcast content. was way longer than we thought yeah. it was going to be. I think you, it's great, though. I love it's, this it's stuff. It's funny because MDV and I were talking. He's like, oh, yeah, how many how many do we can get through on this podcast like right now? Like topics. I was like, bro, I think we should just hit one in-house competitions because this is a big topic. I think I think a few of the items you hit on that are really powerful. Well, you hit on quite a few, like There's the preparation, um, not having coaches, I think, in the competition is a really valuable thing because yeah, it doesn't become about them. It becomes about the community. I like the way you finish up with the final and how you can just get right into it. Hey, you know, John's team or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. you know, team, whatever one, uh, let's take a group picture. Here you go. Here are your bags. Congratulations. And this way it doesn't belabor on, yeah. you know, um, we also, I, we also do food. Oh uh, yeah. Which is something cool that I think, uh, you know, obviously as part of the culture in the community, we, uh, we splurge on food for the athletes, uh, and for the spectators, yeah. we make sure we order enough that it's, you know, it's not crazy food. It's, you know, we work yeah. with a local taqueria and you got like 500 soft tacos or whatever. Right. And they just, they go like hotcakes, man. And then it's right after the competition, yep. it's just a great time. You have club sodas, you know, people sometimes bring, uh, some, uh, adult club sodas with them. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And we don't, and you know, right. We push, we push you know, soda waters and stuff like that. We Name provide like, water and soda waters. If people want to bring their adult beverages and, that, and that's enjoy them responsibly. No problem. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this. Our business is not, pr- go ahead and ask <laughs> me, go ahead. I keep, you keep writing down notes. I keep, I'm sorry, dude. This what? Is like a, go ahead. So this is stuff that I was, I've been learning over the years, man. Like I, this is why our competition runs really well. 
because like we've made so many mistakes or I've seen competitions that have yeah, made mistakes course. in the past. After your competition wraps up, you should send out an email to everybody about how to properly po- post competition handle Hydrate. yourself. Yeah, like all that kind of stuff. And um, you know, make sure your athletes are aware that like, hey, if you're feeling really junky, maybe we don't want to see you tomorrow for a full workout. Maybe come on in, just ride the bike, you know, cool down, excuse me, um, flush out, all that kind of stuff and then, you know, down the road you can announce the next competition. Well, it's pre, kind of it's gir- during and it's post. post. Yeah, for sure. No. I'm going to finish up with this. All right, finish up. <laughs> we, our business is not predicated on making money on competitions. No. Never has, and I don't know if it ever will, right? Um, for a business who, you know, do we receive a return? The average competition for us, let's just say, costs, um, I don't know, maybe 3000 you think? Uh, I, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but, so I don't want to make a guess. Look, we're it's also- It's not a huge amount of money. It's but, not yeah. a couple thousand. Yeah. Okay. Do you think we get a return on our investment from what it does for the community, the engagement, and just the fact that we're providing it, that it should be an ongoing thing? Of course. Uh, you know, I think that our our gym in particular has this really rich history of competition that I think is still weaved into the fabric of who we are. It's not who we are today on the floor when we go out there and, and do workouts, but, you know, NC Fit and NorCal have this awesome history. And... I think some of the members hold on to some of that stuff and really enjoy that still. And that's great. And some of our new members who have joined, who have no idea about who we were in the past, they are really having fun and getting to know people and want to be a part of community events. One of the beautiful things that this type of fitness does is it brings people together in a positive environment to share these experiences together. And the competition allows you to do that without it being so hectic or so crazy. And it can be focused on you and you can control the experience. You get a huge return out of it. Guys, I think to summarize this whole conversation is competitions are healthy. They're good, but you need to, you need to do it in the right way, Yeah. right? Make it about the members. Make it about a positive experience. Program it in a way so that people are getting wins, you know? Get the time where someone gets their high, you know, gets their first box jump at 20 inches, whatever. Those are the experiences that people are going to remember potentially for the rest of their life. They're not going to remember the guy hitting a 300-pound snatch, Right. Focus on the 90%. Focus on them having a phenomenal experience. And the most fit will dominate, right? Yeah. And that's okay. And they're going to have a great experience there. But you don't need to over-program, right? Just have it run real smooth and people will love you for it. And we can keep going at it. For sure. MDV, we've gone an hour on oh, internal man. competition. Oh, man. I'm thinking of it like three is, or four more things like that we should talk about. This is one of the longest episodes we've done. Um, guys, I, I just got to tell you, if you've enjoyed this episode and you like the way we talk about business, talk about things, if you have not checked out the NC Fit Collective, I think we're doing something super special there. If you've been listening to these podcasts a while, would really appreciate your um, you know, rating, review on iTunes, wherever you listen to it. And if you want to shoot us an email to collective at nc.fit, we'd love to give you a trial. Check out the collective. Join the private Facebook yeah, group man. so you could see some of these conversations that we're having that led us to this podcast. Yeah. Collective at nc.fit. It's really important stuff, man. I think if you listen to this podcast, and you're like, wow, these guys are are really detail oriented about what they do for their competition and the amount of care and effort we put in things. First of all, you should, you should care a whole lot about what you do. And that's the same kind of focus that we have when we're putting our stuff together for the collective, man. We're, we're, we're trying to do as best as we can, because this is the stuff that we use every single day and it can't suck. It can't be subpar. It's gotta be amazing. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. Big shout out to uh, our friends over at Go Ruck and Reebok for this. And then also Wattify Arena. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hey, 
Have a great day. Keep uh, rising the tides. MDV, keep getting after. Let's go. Let's go.